that when one person becomes infuriatingly grounded <laughs> and calm and does not take the bait, it has a trickle-down effect. And now. Hi, <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 128 of the Chris and Christine Show. Ah, fantastic. We have been so busy. Oh, are you putting your busy badge on? I put my busy... Thanks for... Let me borrow it today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm borrowing Christine's busy badge. You look, it looks pink. I don't keep saying I'm busy. I just get the work done. No, you are busy, so you do get the work done. I know, but I don't say it all the time. I'm busy. I'm busy. I just stop talking and I do the work. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> as you might remember, on our previous episode of the Chris and Christine Show. Last time. on the, <laughs> It's like one of those flashback things like, last time on the Chris and Christine Show. Give yeah. us the recap. Christine was mentioning she was going into a work week where she had like 1,800 events happening <laughs> in like three days. So, and you had a best friend flying into yes! town to help you with those amazing Bestie. events you had to do. So, how did it all go? It went Fantastic. It's the first time for Christine Smith Designs that we did back-to-back events, uh, three events in three days. And then yesterday after I took Kira, my bestie, to the airport to fly home, I just fell into like sleeping beauty slumber on the couch for like three and a half hours because my body was so tired. It could be like that. We just go, go, go. And then you're just like, you just got to crash. We, it's like that moment when you have all the kids here and you're just like crazy chaos. Like, oh, take the kids to school and get your lunch. And where's your lunchbox at? Okay. Uh, why aren't you wearing pants? Get your pants back on, you know, or like put your shirt on, all that stuff. And then you get them to school and you get home, you drop them off and you're like, <gasps> <sighs> yes, I know the feeling. Yes, well, that's about where I'm at in my life right now, but I'm hopping into an even busier week coming up. So no way, busier than the last week? Well, I don't have three events, but I do fly out tonight to work up in Fresno for two days, and then I fly home on Wednesday night, and Thursday morning I have to go to the flower market super early because I have a styled shoot that night, and then on Friday I have to drive up to LA to pick up Ezekiel and I'm going to meet with some clients while I'm on my way and all of that while working full time. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that maybe, I mean, I'm just saying hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking. That maybe Ezekiel's dad could take him all the way down here? No, he wouldn't that. Do would that. save you like three, five, four, six hours. No, but I enjoy the drive and I'm going to meet with my clients that are up there um, okay. for their final details meeting because their wedding's in a month. And so we're going to do like, uh, I'll take a half day off, go meet with them, get Ezekiel, Plus, I love driving with Ezekiel. He catches me up on his life and you know, jokes around with me. And it's just quality time with him that I don't get for him by myself with him very often. And I'm just really excited to have him home for Mother's Day weekend with me. You know, I was kind of thinking about that. If you're going to go on a first date with somebody, would you say yes or no to say like a long road trip to two of you? It's like a first date or just get to know you kind of date. Would it be a, a first date? Well, how about a get to know you kind of a thing? Because I think that like... 
you can either go two ways in the car. You can go the, I'm going to listen to music and tune you out, or we're going to have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? For me personally, I wouldn't go on a, like a long drive with somebody for a first date because you never know where that other person is going to drive you to. And if you aren't oh, feeling safe, right. but if you aren't feeling safe, then you still have to drive all the way back with them. Or if the date isn't going well and you're uncomfortable, like as a, a woman, you always have your own exit plan. And so it's normally like drive our cars, meet together, and then we leave separately because yeah, it's just a safety thing. I yeah, I, I, I wasn't even thinking that angle at all. The angle I was thinking of was just a, a, a being in one spot together for a long time, having a conversation. It could but be. But why a, are you asking about dates, dude? You're I'm married. Not, okay, okay, calm down. D- don't tell me calm down. Okay, red flag words in our relationship. What are they? There are calm Re- down and relax. Uh, relax. Which relax. Is the same thing. But you just said calm down. I was like, don't say that. Okay, relax. <laughs> Take a chill pill. <laughs> That's right. Ladies, ladies that are listening, if the man in your life is ever to sell, say to you, calm down, tell me that it's not a bigger trigger for you because Come it's on. like, I'm not validating what you're going through right now. And then it's like playing into that whole stereotype of women are hyper emotional. You just need to calm down. You need to take a chill pill, right? Oh, <laughs> somebody's hey, got hey, some fighting words hey, today. trip to the pharmacy, ask for some chill pills. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they sell them on the counter. <laughs> I know, hey, speaking of long road trips, I can tell you a story. It's crazy. So I was dating this girl a long time ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, what story doesn't start with Chris was dating this girl? My question is, how many girls did you date, Chris? A couple. More, Dozen. More, more, than, more than two. <laughs> Less than a thousand. <laughs> so I was dating this girl a long time ago, and she told me, she did, this is her story, not my story. So she told me that there was a guy that she either, w- I think she said on a first date with this guy. Might have been a first date because she barely knew the guy, what it sounded like. And they took a road trip, like an overnight road trip to Las Vegas from San Diego, just going all the way up there, just as like a turnaround. Like you go all the way up there, you go there for the night. I don't say the night. You just go there, gamble, play, whatever, and turn around and come back home. Wait, it's not like you're just like going to downtown San Diego. That's like five hours each way. Six hours plus being there plus six hours. That's like a total thing. I've heard of people doing that. Did you do it? I've never done that. Oh, I, I, I thought I don't you were have the energy you were doing for that. Oh, you know, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm energetic, but not that energetic. You know what I'm saying? Because you have to. <laughs> and I asked her, like, how was the ride back? Because you're all excited going to Vegas and you're tired and you got to come back with the poor guy. Obviously, you didn't leave him there. Did you leave him there? Because that'd be another thing, too. But you brought him back. And then I, I've heard of stories where people have done that, where they've done this whole road trip to Vegas, just turned around and come back. But. That is way too much. I mean, you're so tired. You're talking like at least 12, 14 hour day. And and over half of that is driving. Or more than most of that's driving, really. Think about it. Well, you know, I don't know exactly what the point of you bringing that up was. But being in a car <laughs> with a person that long that you don't even know is a stranger. You're going to Vegas. Yeah, but why would you do six that? Six hour like, drives there. But, six hour drive back. To a, and they a, didn't for, end up married? On a first date. No. Well, you never know when people are like, let's just go to Vegas. It's like, it's normally like, let's go be spontaneous and get married. But I've never known anybody to just like, why wouldn't you just go to Saquon? Uh, well, I don't know because Vegas is cool. Because <laughs> Vegas is Vegas, you know. This is this is like a long time ago, you know. I mean, you know, you go there for the bars, the clubs, whatever. I mean, Vegas is a cool place to be, you know. 
Yeah, but to take somebody six hours for a first date, like I'd rather you take me to Disneyland. But same. Well, that's kind of the same same concept. Say you went to Disneyland on a first date. I would totally go to Disneyland on a first date. But you would meet them there or drive together? I could drive up to. I mean, it's like from us an hour and 20 minutes. That's not. Like you're in the middle of industrialized area. If I really needed to get back to San Diego on my own, I could. If you were paying for my ticket, I would totally go. Although I remember, so speaking of dates and going places, you and I had only been dating for a couple of weeks and we decided to go to Universal Studios and take the boys with us. Well, that was with all the kids. Well, it's different. We have okay, all the kids together. There's more to the story. Let me tell my part Ooh, I'm of the not, story. I'm curious what happened. So you asked if I wanted to go to Universal Studios with you and if Ezekiel and I wanted to go to Universal Studios with you and your boys. And I was like, that is so sweet of him. And then you texted me for what the cost was going to be for mine and Ezekiel's tickets. And I was so caught off guard because I was like, but wait, you just invited me to go. I didn't realize like you invited me to go and be like Dutch treat where we're each paying for our own. And you said, no, let me finish. And you go to Costco and you're like, okay, so the tickets are at Costco and then they're they're this amount. And I'm like, okay. And you're like, so are you going to go dot, back? Dot, dot. And he goes, so are you going to go and get them on your own or are you going to pay me back? I and said those words. Yes. And I was like, so caught off guard. Like if I could probably search through my text messages. Actually, I have a new phone now and find those historical texts. And I was like, ladies, if you had only been dating a guy for a couple of weeks and he called to invite you, invite you to Universal Studios. I would Studios, think that means like, you know... Like, okay. If no, if, you be, be you, honest. Okay. You, I will be honest. If it was going to like. The, you, if, listen, if first going, of all, you never to, assume you're paying for anything. <laughs> let's be real. Okay. In this relationship, let's be real. Whenever I say, honey, um, let's go out to dinner. And you're like, when the check comes and you look at me and you're like, well, you invited. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm saying. Basically, if I'm alive, I'm paying. Okay, thank <laughs> Cheapskate you. Cheapskate of the year. Well, I always know when you say, hey, uh, I'm not bringing my purse. That's code word for you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that from now on. Universal Studios. I forgot my purse at home. <laughs> That's a code for that, really. Mm-hmm. you know. But I think because it's a bigger ticket item I, I, and, we, and we were just dating, it makes sense to like, hey. Maybe, you know, you pay for your ticket, pay for my ticket. No, because you know. we were dating, you should have been romancing me, taking my I son invited I, Did I not invite you? You invited me, and then you asked if I would split the cost of gas, too. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And then you made us pay for our own meals, too. We went into a restaurant, and you took, like, Jacob and Mason up to the front, and you were like, I think it was like a Panda Express or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you looked at me, like, almost like, don't cut in. <laughs> And I was just there and I'm like, this is so awkward. I've never had a guy do this. Maybe I was spoiled. I didn't date a lot, but I did get spoiled okay, when I was how dating. How many dates have you gone on with a father with two kids at the same time? Oh, well. I, None except myself. Thank I you. never really met guys. That shouldn't have a difference. It if should have. If you're inviting a lady and her child, a lady friend and her child, you should be assuming the financial responsibility. I mean... I'm a feminist. I can stand on my own two feet. And I don't know how we got on this, but it was like the, oh, it was the road trip date. So if you were to be taken on a road trip date, 
and the guy was to ask you to split the cost of gas, ladies, what would you say? Would you give him a second date? <laughs> what if he said, hey, I'll drive, but you, you pay for the ticket. But that's and, not what and, even happened because I ended up gas. having to drive home because you were so grumpy at the end. You were like, I'm so tired. And I was like, do you need me to drive home? You're like, yeah. Do you know how to drive a truck? <laughs> I was like, yes, I know how to drive a truck. It's automatic. And you're like, okay, fine. Well, I'm just going to fall asleep. I was like, okay. And you're like, but we're going to need gas because it's at half. And I was like, um, okay, I'll get gas in it. And then. Oh, you're so sweet, baby. I know. You know that should have been my red flag that I was going to be your sugar baby the whole time. Well, this is why I kept you around. I was like, I think this is a big test. If she could pass this test, then she's, she's golden. You know, so I was testing you. It's like a, a major test. You were testing me. Yes. When I should have been testing you, what would have been my test to be like, well, we're just going to have a standoff at the register and be like crossing my arms to be like. Okay, pony up, boy. Uh, you know what? It's interesting, though, because we've been pretty cut and dry about finances since we first got together. Like, we split the cost of almost everything, and it's not even really like an argument or a discussion. It's just kind of like, I don't assume you're going to pay my way. You don't assume I'm going to pay your way. We just kind of like always have been like, yeah, it's, you know, we'll each pay our way, and it's not a thing, right? You know, speaking of that, I was kind of wondering, we are married now, so it's different, I think, than when you're just dating, like your first or second date. It's kind of awkward. It's, it's always awkward, I think, now. A lot of guys say this. A lot of guys will say, hey, equal rights, equal equal pay, equal uh, pay, paying for the bill. You know, if you, guys want, <laughs> if you guys want equality, you know, you ladies want equality, then, hey, you can equally pay the share of your bill. Well, I'm not going to argue with that because things are expensive. And I think that – I think it just depends on – your perspective on dating. Like if you're wanting to be romanced and swept off your feet, that's like that Disneyland type of mentality of the white knight is going to come in on or the knight on the white horse is going to come in and he's going to try and rescue me. I don't need anybody to rescue me. I can pay my own way. I'm okay with that. And I think I've been okay with that from the beginning. I think the Universal Studios situation was a little bit awkward for me because you actually invited me to go, but I didn't know well, how. You know, I also let me finish. Okay, sorry. But go I right didn't ahead. know how to ask about the purchasing of the tickets, and I felt awkward because that was very expensive. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, he invited us to go to Universal Studios! Like, that's like a couple hundred dollars for Zeke and I." Like what do I do? Am I going to pay for the meals all day? But at that point in time, we were both running two separate households. And I know like money was tight for me and money was tight for you. And I think it worked out just fine because I could spoil Zeke a little bit and like do some little things for him and then like buy a little thing here and there for Jacob and Mason. Like we got those gigantic Simpsons donuts for them and they loved those. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting. And I don't know how we got on this. I think it was your question about the first date road trip. Right. Like, would you take a first date road trip with somebody? And how awkward would that be? Especially if you're fighting on the way back. Because, like, I can imagine, like, if it doesn't go well, like, at the place you go to, that road trip back has got to be, ugh, got to be very ugly. It, it happens with couples all the time. Not just, you Fighting know, on road trips? Dating. But, yeah, married couples, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure it probably leads to divorces and things of that sort. <laughs> Bad road trips? Well, I would think. I know, I know like they say money is always a big cause of, a, of divorce, but I would think also a bad road trip has got to be a good cause of a divorce. Um, I'm not sure, honey, but it's a very interesting discussion. And 
I know that we're going to have two experts on the show today that are divorce coaches that are going to talk to us a little bit about navigating that road to and through and out of divorce. And we're going to be back with them right after this. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on warriors. We've got this. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have not one, but two fantastic VIP guests with us. They are life coaches and co-founders of Best Self Media. Welcome to the show, Kristen Noel and Bill Miles. (laughs) Thank you. We're so happy to have you. The crowd was going wild already. The crowd is crazy. That's awesome. Hey, guys. (laughs) Well, we are so excited to have you on the show today, but before we hop into our fantastic conversation, where are you both joining us from today? We are uh, in the Catskill Mountains, Woodstock, New York. New York, huh? Okay, now the Catskills, isn't that like the setting of Dirty Dancing? (laughs) It sure is. Oh, I knew it! You know, I've never (laughs) seen that movie. And we live in the town, you know, Woodstock, where like the town that's famous for the concert, um... That, that didn't actually happen here? Oh, <laughs> oh, like the Woodstock. You know, it is, four, the it Woodstock. is, it is 420 as we record this <laughs> today. Don't say that. It's <laughs> inappropriate. But okay, so you're coming from New York? Yes. Yeah. Both of you? Yes. Fantastic. So are the Catskills like big mountains, small mountains? They are uh, like 4,000 foot peaks. So they're kind of like... They're not big mountains, but they feel big when you're in them. But mostly they have uh, a beautiful energy about them and they're gorgeous to live in. And we really are right in the foothills. So uh, literally within minutes outside our door walking, you're, you're going uphill. Nice. That's like San Diego. There's a lot of hills here too. The um, local mountains here are about 4,000 feet at the peak also. So we kind of get the feel for what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful area to live near mountains and nature. But I want to hear a little bit about the two of you. So how do you two know each other? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we probably, I'll start a little bit. I'm sure Kristen will finish with more finesse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I come from a background of um, photography and and film directing. And there was a a stylist who I worked with for many, many years. He was kind of my regular crew member. And at a certain point when I was going through divorce, she became aware of that and said, oh my goodness. And she didn't know. But when she learned, she said, when you're ready, when you're ready to start dating again, I've got someone for you to meet. Ooh. But it turns out it's somebody who 
I had actually met before with her because she had brought Kristen in as an assistant stylist, steaming clothes in the back of an RV and so forth, um, on a couple of jobs. We never developed any relationship other than courtesy on the set. But uh, when our friend said, I've got this friend for you, I said, okay, she have a name? Yeah, Kristen, or Kitty is what we call her. Kitty. And, uh, <laughs> well, now you're yeah. really outing me. My God. <laughs> all I'm the totally secrets are coming out. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Kitty. And she said, yeah, you know, the, the tall one in the back of the RV? And I was like, oh, my goodness, yes, the cute one. Ooh, and, you, you know, go. that sort of piqued my interest. And then, oh, it wasn't too much longer after that that uh, I arranged a special meeting in New York and talked to my friend and said, maybe you'd like to connect us. And there it went. Ooh. Okay. So the plot thickens. So the two of now, you I are mean, you come an on, item? You want to hear the real version? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's do the Christmas I do. version. <laughs> I do. No, definitely. I don't. I, it, it's funny because I think it's when you when you're not looking, you find, right? Mm-hmm. I I had um I was literally at a point in my life where I was my life had completely imploded. I was involved in a in a really messy situation. Um, and I kind of felt like, you know, I'm never going to be in love again. I'm never going to be happy again. And I was sort of hiding and I had a previous, um, career as a model. Um, really the last thing I wanted to be doing was like helping my friend in the back of a location van on a set where anybody might like recognize me and say like, Oh my goodness, like God, how the mighty have fallen kind of, you know, like, look, look where she is now. But I was really grateful at that point. I was sort of like just stepping into rebuilding my life. And, and I was grateful to my friend for the opportunity to pick up some side gigs and, you know, was making money wherever I could. And, you know, the last thing I was looking for was another relationship. And I really, I really believed like that ship had passed. That was like, yeah. you know, that was, that was done. I mean, I was way too young for that to have happened. But, you know, when you've been through those kinds of experiences, you just feel like, you know, that's, I guess I just am unlucky in love. Or yeah, my ship is sailed. Yep. Yeah, my ship is sailed. How old were you, Kristen, when you go through that? I was probably about 39. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're hitting yeah. that 40 number. You're like, yeah. oh, you know, over the hill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had had many lives because I had started my modeling career when I was 15 years old. And I had a 15-year career um, around the world. And and funny enough, Bill and I've always talked about this. We think like we've probably crossed during during the my, those fashion days. We definitely probably crossed paths, um, just didn't know each other. And um, but you know, it's funny if you could ever like really track that. You know, if there was ever a map of like where if you were in the same places at the same time, kind of thing. Um, but I guess you know, it's all about timing, right? right. So. So yeah, the two so of that- you are together then? I mean, this is kind of dun dun dun. Are you an item? Yeah, well, we've oh, been yeah, together we've been for toge- 17 yeah. years now. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, okay. So, uh, <laughs> we were kind of trying to <laughs> we, read between yeah, the lines yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. sorry. You, you so, yeah, this is a best, very long best story. friends for all we know, you know. You know. <laughs> we'll jump ahead. You know, we, we have a merged family. I brought, um, I've got three children of my own, and Kristen had one. Okay. And they were both uh, young at the time. Kristen's at the time we met were, she, he was five. My kids were, you know, five, eight, and 10. And so now they're adults. And that's one of the things is that we have seen both of us experience really kind of dramatic and, and uh, for different reasons, relation, uh, divorces. But we've seen the impact on our children 
uh, all very differently and now as adults how they are uh, you know still impacted and still kind of unpacking it and making sense of it all and how it's impacting them now so definitely I think that from what Chris and I have experienced that divorce impacts kids differently especially based off of where they're at in their age and right yeah the way that parents navigate through it and I know that similarly to the two of you we've both been through um, pretty toxic divorce dynamics well before we found each other and it's definitely a really interesting journey yeah Chris go ahead so were you guys married long before you guys got divorced yeah 21 years for me wow oh wow, oh, wow. that's long Christine what was yours like uh me yeah I- uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kristen. Just, yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of we got a lot of Chris's, Christine's, Kristen's, <laughs> Kitty's. You know, um, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Oh, yeah. That I question was, was for you. I was married for 11 years, but what about you, Kristen? I was just trying to do the math on that. I think I was married about seven or eight years. Yeah. At that okay. point. Okay. And then Chris, what about you? Uh, how long? I'm trying to do math on it too. Now I think about it. It was um, probably five years, maybe. Was it that long? I think so. I had to okay. do the math on it. Really. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's a really interesting going through divorce and all of the different dynamics. And I have a couple of friends that are – one just texted me yesterday saying, I just found out today that my divorce was finalized on mon- last Monday and I didn't even realize it and is now going into, you know, the child support process and navigating all of that, like her, what she's obligated to pay for her free- previous spouse and – another friend who's just kind of in the early stages of it. And it's just so painful and messy to watch friends going through it and to kind of float back into what that was like for myself. How did the two of you make your way through it to be able to come out and be healthy on the other side? Well, that's, um, uh, that's, uh, that's, a you know, that's a multi-pronged, um, answer honestly, because you know, in the beginning, again, we we had all kinds of logistical complications. Number one, um, our divorces weren't final. We lived in two different cities. Uh, I was in New York City, and he was um, in this outside of Boston. Um, so we had like physical distance between us, and then we had our individual, you know, complicated divorces to deal with. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's funny because just sort of pushing ahead a little bit, I feel like, you know, where we are today and what we're doing, which I'll, we'll get to later is just, you know, we, we begin to create what we need to learn, right? Mm -hmm. We begin to teach what we need to learn. We start to, we, we gravitate towards what we need to learn. Right. And I mean, honestly, when I was in that process, um, and I'll just let Bill speak for himself, but it's like, I didn't really have a lot of access to holistic, healthy, conscious advice um, yeah. and people to turn to. I think and most people don't when they first first happens. Like you're just yeah. filled with rage and anger. And yeah. Sadness. Well, there's so much emotion, right? It's so volatile. It's so emotionally charged. There's so many – like basically, you know, what people don't realize um, or maybe they do once they've been in it, but it's like it affects – every aspect of your life. Every like aspect, nothing is yeah. untouched, right? Nothing's untouched, right? It's like your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your your children, your house, the energy, your money, your time, your life, how you feel about yourself, 
you know, even going forward, it was like when I was saying to you, I kind of like, here I was, I mean, I laugh at myself now, like, but 39 years old, I thought my life was over. Right. I really thought like, okay, this is as good as it's yeah, going to get. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, Bill, how, how old were you when you got divorced, Bill? Uh, 44. Okay. okay. So you were later in I, life. I could not imagine life ahead. I just couldn't. I was in a dark cave. It's like, oh my God, this is the end of it. This is the end of life. Here it is. Well, because you were mentioning the number of years that you'd been together, that was almost half of your life. And so you've, when it you've was, been with yeah. someone for that long, it's hard to even remember what life was like before them because it sound, sounds like you got married um, in your early 20s. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got married right out of college, oh, yeah. 22. Same here. <laughs> Look at you guys. Right in that same boat. And <laughs> hey, Kristen, how old are you got married? Um, Pause. Now you're, you know, this is like a whole math, you know, equation. <laughs> oh, yes, we like to quiz like and Yeah. Let's say 39 to minus eight, you know. Yeah. So um, early 30s. Yeah. Okay, early so you 30s. you waited to your 30s before you got married. Do you think that it makes a difference as far as divorces go? If you get married, say, in your early 20s versus someone who gets married in their early 30s? Well, I have a double whammy because I've been divorced twice. Okay. Oh. So I did get married very early. I never, I was like one of these girls who didn't date, I married. Oh, got so it. So interesting. I did get married um, to a fellow model and um, we were together for like 13 years. I was married probably seven, again, the seven, eight kind of period of time and then got married again um, and had my, my child. I definitely think that it's extremely hard to get married when you're 20, even when you're 30. I didn't know who I was when I was 30. I mean, I give a lot of credit to the young people today because I think there is an evolution of consciousness. And I, I, I think there's more information and there's more conversations, but it's really hard to know who you are and to make that decision. I mean, we don't get married to get divorced. It's not a caveat or a way out. Or if this doesn't work, I'll just, you know, exit strategy. Right. I mean, nobody goes into marriage thinking, well, you know, you know, maybe this won't, you know, maybe I'll just end up divorced. So I think it's really hard. I think obviously, definitely, Chris, I, I to answer your question directly, you know, I, I have, a, I have a, tw- a son who just turned 22. I, I, hope that he doesn't get married for, you know, many, 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 many years. That's what we say to our boys. We have three boys between the two of us. Uh, I have a 17 and a half year old and Chris has a nine and 12 year old. So together we have three. But I was thinking, oh my gosh, my son is only like four years younger than I was when I got married and five years younger than what I was when I had him. And I was like, Amazing, I know, right? yeah, no, I'm not ready for that. Like, are you ready to be a grandma? No, <laughs> yeah. exactly. No, definitely well, this not. is the thing. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> have our own parental opinions on what our sh- children should and shouldn't do, right? And I definitely don't want my kids to uh, get married as young as they are right now, which isn't that young. It's sort of early to mid twenties. My oldest is 28, but that said, they will do what they want to do, just like we did. And I think what's more important than the age is where you are with understanding who you are. Mm, right. And some, you know, That's some a good people have different. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I it's think true. it's true though. I have, for example, one son who is extraordinarily out of touch. I mean, I hate to be judgmental this way, but it's it okay. curious to me. <laughs> Chris is Very all the time. Out That's of okay. Touch with, 
who he is at his core and what he wants and his purpose. And I have another son who as tender young adult age is extraordinarily in touch, uh, or at least seeking to, to learn. So when you understand who you are, then I think you can make better decisions for your life about life partners. Okay. Simple as that. Yeah, for most I, of us, that comes later in life. You yeah, don't want to wait too long, and then the whole child thing becomes a burden because it's a lot of work. Right. <laughs> well, I agree with what you're saying. I think about you, know, Chris, and I have talked about this before. I'll let you speak for yourself in a minute, Chris. But when I got married, I graduated college. I was a full time teacher, even though I was only 22. I, you know, had an income was pretty well established in my church and had been dating my previous spouse for three and a half years, I felt like I knew what I was doing and, you know, very focused and in control. And we had a pretty successful marriage on the surface and then completely blindsided out of left field, like my whole life imploded. And for me, it didn't feel like it was this like gradual decaying of a relationship. It was this all of a sudden, like nuclear explosion from the inside mm. out where it was just betrayal. And now you're faced with, what do I do? We worked for the same employer. We went to the same church. We did everything together. And like you were saying, Kristen, then I was at this point of, I never thought this was going to be my life. And now literally everything is going to change from my house to you know whether or not I still want to work with this person. So am I going to have to find a new job? leaving my community, leaving my church, all of that. And I was left completely reeling. And then add to that being in a very, I want to say religious kind of background, fearing the judgment of others by going through a divorce and feeling like I was going to be wearing a scarlet letter mm -hmm. of now I'm a divorcee. And what does that right. mean? Do I now you know, am Are you I abolished from the community? Right. Yeah. Right. Am I going to be shunned? Am I going to be judged because I didn't stick it out, even though, you know, biblically, quote unquote, if you see me here, I'm doing my little quotes. Biblically, I had grounds for a divorce, but it was just, I, I was the first. You know, I had one aunt that had been divorced before that. I didn't know how to walk through it. And so I found mm -hmm. myself like, I don't know, hopping myself up on therapy. I was like, how many therapists can I see right now? Because somebody's got to help have the magic bullet of how I navigate this without completely losing my mind. I can totally relate to what you're saying, honestly. And you think about that, all of that added pressure on top of the trauma you were experiencing, right? It's just like, it's not what you need, <laughs> you know? It's not, and, and it's why people stay stuck. It's why people self-medicate. It's why people don't leave. Yeah. And, you know, no judgment. Everybody's got to make those decisions and walk through those valleys. Um, but it really is about being honest with yourself. I found I found myself very much in your story when you when you were describing that. I was like, that was me, that was me. Check, check, check. Yep. But what I did find ultimately was really my way out of it. And I had and I, similar to you, did not have anyone in my family who'd been divorced. Really the way I found my way out was actually identifying what my role had been in it. And though I was a victim to some crazy circumstances, it sounds like you were as well. The role that I played was not seeing the red flags, 
Um, and the little, you know, there were seeds, there were little, there were, there were little hints along the way. Where had I betrayed myself? You know, even just as much as saying, am I really connected to this person? Is this my soulmate? Is this someone who really sees me? Um, and really understands me and really is like what well, I love to use the term dream keeper. Dream this keeper, person, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, you know, I always say like, uh, Bill didn't save me. Bill saw me. Ooh, and, like and when someone sees you, they're your cheerleader. And, they're, and it's the person that's behind you saying, you can do this. You've got this, you know. Um, because you have to do that for yourself. We all save ourselves. Nobody saves us. I don't care if it's like, you know, when you're going through, like when you're going through the crisis of divorce and you think like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to pay for my house. I'm never going to be able to support myself or my children or this or that. You know, sometimes it's very, it's very easy to sort of like reach for something, you know, the shiny penny, like, okay, but is that really going to change? Is that really going to save? Is that, you know, do you need to be say like, can that save you or do you save yourself? You know, so we both had children going through the divorce. Uh, Christine's uh, child, uh, Ezekiel, was how old was you when you got divorced? Ten. Ten. My kids were like I wanted one in diapers, and the other one was four. Yeah, five, really so little. Really little. So, um, what is the um, biggest mistake that parents make when they're going through a divorce with children? Well, there are there are several, <laughs> but I think one of them is trying, and it's it's unwitting, but. When you start going through divorce, um, there is a period, we like to call it the first 100 days, the early stages, where you've crossed that line that you are going to separate. It's imminent, right? Or maybe you've already filed or whatnot. But there's no going back. And it's an incredibly emotionally charged time. And you know, you're, you, depending on the circumstances, you could be angry, vengeful. You could be shame. You know, feeling shame and guilt. You could feel just sadness or hopelessness. But during that 100 days, you're also asked to make some critical decisions that will set the tone uh, for your financial security and your emotional security and that of your children for years to come. And I think the mistake is that you just step into trying to make those decisions anyway and plow through them without being in a grounded mindset. And you end up listening to the advice of everybody but yourself. Right. You yeah. listen to your lawyers. You listen to your family. You listen to your friends. And they all have well-intended advice. But the one you really need to listen to is yourself. And I don't think people spend enough time honoring really what is their intuition, their inner right. voice well, through it all. Well, do you think it's because their intuition led them into the situation in the first place? And they're like, I'm doubting that now? I think I, it's... I think it's the, the opposite. opposite. Yeah. I, I just want to pipe in for one thing. I yeah. think the biggest the biggest mistake is, well, there's two things. One, you cannot embroil your children in this divorce. And oftentimes parents use their children as sounding boards. They use them as pawns. They want to, you know, have a tug of war with them. It depends on how old they are. But still, even parents of young children can use it, use them as a, you know, use their children as a pawn. Now you can't, I mean, you really want to just have, you need to have a big filter. You have to have a conscious filter on with children and, right, yeah. you know, really be mindful of, remember something, they love their parents. They love mom and they love dad. 
even, even, you know, you know, they always say like even children that have been abused, they still love mom and they still love dad. We can't control who our children love. We don't want to control. We don't want to tell them how to feel about something. What we need to do is create like a safe container for them. One. And again, this is, it's, it totally depends on how old they are, right? Right. But yeah. You've got to try to keep them out of the mix as much as possible. Now that isn't, that doesn't mean, hey, come home and pretend like rainbows and roses, nothing's going on here, because your energy will will penetrate the house. And they're feeling everything. They're little energetic sponges. They're feeling it all. So you've got to find a way to create a space for them to be able to communicate how they're feeling and to be able to communicate with them what is going on. But it's got to be in sound bites that mainly you're creating a foundation beneath them that says like, Hey, the ultimate message here is mom and dad are going through something difficult. It's going to be okay. We are figuring this out. You are safe. You know, beyond that, you know, beyond that, you know, you, you go find your friends, go find a therapist, go find your lawyer, go find a media, go find somebody else to talk to all, all these details. Don't ever talk about money with your kids because what that translates to is, oh my gosh, we're not going to get to live here anymore. We're not going to have food. You know what I mean? Like it's just, they're just, they're just going to process it in a very, very fearful way. And that's where seeds get planted and a lot of emotional damage is done. And parents Huge. think like, like they're, they're, you know, they're running around trying to put fires out, right? Oh, you know, I've got to get a lawyer and I've got, what about my money? What about my house? And what about this? And oftentimes the kids get shoved to the side. It's like, we'll deal with this later. We'll clean this up later. Well, we are, we are here to tell you, you know, because of what we've seen with our own children, you know, the longer, the further you push that away, the longer you go with that, um, the deeper the wounds. So guys, uh, when it comes to children and divorce, how is the best way to really break it to the children that mom and dad are no longer going to be together? What would be the best approach for children, say at age 10, just put a number out there. Well, like Kristen said, whatever it is, it's got to be truth telling um, in, in age appropriate sound. To a bites. degree. Have to, <laughs> well, it has to be truth, but in what is appropriate for that age. It doesn't mean you have to tell all, not at all. But what you have to, what you present has to be truthful. Gosh, age 10. That's where they kind of uh, know, but they don't know that all the, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, and it's also when they have a lot of uh, fears because their social structure is going to get upset. And they're concerned at that point about their outward appearances and whatnot. I would say, honestly, you want to be, you want to share truth. For example, sitting them down and saying, you may have noticed, you know, uh, mom and dad have been fighting a lot. You may have noticed things have been angry in the house. And then, and then, and have, and, and sort of create some open-ended conversations. Like, how has that felt for you? What, what kind of like experiences have been coming up for you? I want to know, you know, and you know, you're, so you're fostering this foundation of like, we're in this together. Right. And I want to know how you feel matters. And you'd be surprised your child might answer something, you know, that might shock you. And you want to just, you know, peel it back and say like, well, so you see like, you know, kids in school, when, when there are kids in school that are fighting, we separate them. You know, we 
try to avoid, you know, this conflict, this fight, this whatever, you know, that may ensue. Um, mom and dad are contemplating, I mean, it depends where you are in this, but, you know, mom and dad are contemplating a divorce. This is, you know, we, we've, we've given this a lot of thought and we think this is going to be better for our family. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you're, you're starting to create something for them. But while you're telling them this, it's not, you don't want to give them the details. Well, your dad did blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> yeah. your mom had your a, you know, an a affair with the milkman. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. you really, it, it's got to be always at the forefront. Like what's going to be the best way? Your, your kids need to know, like, like, you know, Bill was saying, it's like, they need to have the truth. They need to have that, but it's what a, a palatable version of the truth, something that you can build on. And you know, they might catch you off guard. They might ask you a question that A is inappropriate or B, you don't know how to answer. And it's actually okay to say um, that question's inappropriate or I don't really feel ready to answer that question or I need to think about that. Can or I? Or the, de- the details of it are really not important. It's What's important is that we both love you and we're going to make sure that you're safe. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I, going through this, am listening to you all and thinking, I could have never done that. I was an absolute wreck. I was emotional. I was crying. I was, I tried to keep it together. And the more that I tried to keep it together, the more I fell apart, the more stressed I was. And so, It sounds like, and I'm not trying to be cynical, but I am, it sounds Mm -hmm. very fluffy and like parents that are navigating divorce are, I mean, if they're fighting, they're fighting and it kind of pours into every area of their life. And so I guess my question is, as people are going through that, when do they have enough time to come up for air and be like, oh, I'm going to reach out to Bill and Kristen because I think they can help me through that. Like, can you walk us through what actually happens when people get to that breaking point? Because to be honest, my first thought isn't, I'm getting a divorce. Let me get coaching for divorce. It just, I don't know how that transition happens. So fill us in. Okay. But first of all, if someone had said to you, so well, I'm okay. You just described to me a really common scenario. And by the way, I I totally agree with you and was in that scenario with you. My question to you is though, any life situation, any interruption, any trauma, drama, we will get out, we will land on the other side of it, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The question is, how are we going to land on the other side of it? Yep. Are you going to land on the other side of it, a frazzled, worn out, you know, <clears throat> crazed mess? <laughs> or are you going to have excuse me, <clears throat> are you going to be somewhat intact? That doesn't mean this is a massive, massive upheaval. I just didn't have the tools. I didn't know that this existed. I didn't have the self-agency. I mean, I'm sure you can say you can look back in your life. I used to be way more dramatic, way more eruptive about you know just about anything. I walk through my life. I, I navigate through my life very, very differently now. That is a result of having gone through some really dark periods, but also having done my work, having done the therapy. Listen, I've done it all. I've gone to therapy. I've had life coaches. I've I've had more green juice than anybody. I've lit <laughs> candles. I've gone to, you know, I've done it all, right? Um, I've had, you know, slept, I have crystals. I have, you know, um, 
I've read every self-help book there is out there. And I feel like each little piece of that kind of gave me a little kernel or nugget of um, information about how I want to navigate my life. And believe you, believe you me, it's it's a work in progress. It's never perfect. There's plenty that I have to go and clean up. But I will tell you right now, if I had known what I had known then, what I know now, I would not have gone through divorce like that. And yes, I had like very, very dramatic events that happened, like that literally turned my life upside down, took every, I lost everything. And I was pretty hysterical. But being hysterical didn't change the circumstances in the situation. Right. Nobody, so what yeah, I yeah. so go, go ahead. Bill. What I was going to say, and Christine, response to that is okay. So you're blown apart. Your life has been ripped apart. You're crying. You're lying awake at night. You don't know how to get through this, and so forth. For most people, certainly for me, you feel very alone, even though you know objectively that millions of people go through divorce. When you're going through it, it feels. Like you're the only one. Yeah, like you're and the first so, one and the only one and that there will yes. be nobody else after that. And the biggest yes. loser, and so, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there's there's so much, you know, shame, failure, all sorts of things associated with that. But so you ask, so how am I supposed to get from A to B? How am I supposed to make that leap to knowing what to do? And the answer is really to at least know what it's, well, that there are, you're not alone and there is a path. There are tools out there. You may not know them. You may have never accessed them in your life, but there are strategies and approaches and tools, if you're willing to seek them, that can help make it easier for you and for your children. And so that's, you sort of tossed out coaching and I know we haven't really introduced that. And just as, as background, this journey that Kristen and I have been on um, of kind of rebuilding from our own ashes Led me led us to create Best Self Magazine, which is that was about seven years ago, which has become a leading voice for holistic health and conscious living. It's really how to take agency over your life uh, and empower you to design the life you want, control over your health and your mental well-being. Most recently, we've parlayed our experience through the divorce and Best Self Magazine to a coaching program specifically to help parents. Um, navigate divorce. So if you know that there's somebody out there who can help you, who's been through it and can shine the light on the pitfalls and literally hold your hand and give you a toolbox, then that's how you can get to the next level. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know this is, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help doing it. Right. Or you yeah, just have yeah. to, yeah, you just to say, I don't want to do it this way. I yeah. don't want to do it this way. This isn't good for me. Um, and Christine, to your point, I I was like, you know, hysterical. I my my I I actually went into it was so severe with physically that I went into early menopause. Oh wow! Um, that's how shocking because we are interconnected beings. You cannot separate yourself, body, mind, and spirit. Right. People think like, oh, you know, all oh, that's that's a bunch of woo woo stuff that I'll just deal with later and like occasionally I'll work out and occasionally I'll have a, you know, green juice and, you know, occasionally I'll, uh, meditate or pray or, ha you know, have a spiritual life. We can't, we, we're not, we're not intended to live life like that. We are holistic be beings and one bucket, you know, is off kilter or empty. It's going to start barking. And so to Bill's point, it's like, you don't have to know 
how to do this, but you just have to know, I don't like where this is going. I really want this to change. I need help. It's really just saying, I need help. And again, Bill and I have been on this journey. We basically had to teach ourselves. We had to learn what we needed to teach ourselves. We started to create what was really feeding us. And then we just realized like, this is just such powerful work to really help people wake up to the interconnectedness of their lives and how that impacts everything. Now, building off of that, Kristen, because our lives are so interconnected, I'm assuming that with your coaching program, you typically have one party, one member of the divorce party that's coming to you for support. How are they able to navigate their divorce if their partner isn't also participating in the coaching? Because we're we're thinking of you know moving through with less anxiety, with it mm-hmm. not being as volatile. But if you're only one part of it, what I know is sometimes there's like an aggressor in the divorce where there's mm-hmm. somebody that's trying to bait you or mm-hmm. manipulate you. And uh, how how is your approach different so that it doesn't have to be both parties coming to the table? Well, number one, it takes two to tango. Right. So if one partner doesn't show up for the dance, there is no dance. So once again, it's about self-agency. So if I let you get me worked up and hysterical, if I react to everything and give you my power, then I'm dancing with you. Then I'm allowing you to provoke me. I'm allowing you to steal my power you know, and drive this. Um, I know that is extremely difficult. You know, in really contentious divorces, sometimes you just can't communicate and you have to have all your communication go through a lawyer or a mediator. Yeah, yeah for that. Know. Didn't you say that, Christine? Christine, you say that with your uh, divorce, you guys had to go through a lawyer to talk to each other? No, no, we, no, that's not how it happened. But I know that for some people with like child custody issues, it like they they can't even text each other. They have to go through these like monitored apps because it right. gets so there's aggressive. A, there's an app for right. it? Was it called Divorce App or something? No, it's like a child custody. It's like a monitored app that all of the texting can be turned over to the courts to make sure that it stays. No way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But you were saying, Bill, that yours became that contentious? Yeah. We actually went through, we, we could not speak. It always wound up just a disaster. And so we wound up communicating through lawyers. Which is a waste of money and it's stupid. Oh yeah, what, what, lawyers what, aren't cheap. As I checked. Yeah, well, that's. I, well, mean, the, I was just going to say the only people that only people that benefit from that, the only people that benefit are the attorneys, mm-hmm. and they will drain your life savings. You know, not because they're male- you know, uh, there's any malevolence there, but it's like they're just there to do a job, and you, as long as you keep fighting. You keep paying legal bills. And the right. retainer fees are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, divorce is extraordinarily expensive. I mean, it, it, you know, that's not news. Um, the ra- ramifications can be hundreds of thousands of dollars over the several years, right? If you factor in child support and alimony right, and so yeah. forth. But, and I don't, <clears throat> certainly don't mean to bash lawyers because they play an important role. And, you know, our work, we are not therapists. We're not child psychologists. We're not accountants. We're not lawyers. And you may need all of them, um, but we guide you through the process so that you can manage that team so that it doesn't go on forever and doesn't have to cost, you know, an, an unending amount of, of money. You know, speaking of um, money, 
one thing I always heard about growing up, and this may be true or not, is that one of the leading causes for divorce is the money talk or money in some some vast mm. facet of money seems to be everyone's fighting for money or where money's being spent where it's not supposed to be going and causes a divorce. And you got you're fighting over money at the beginning and you're fighting for money at the end. <laughs> exactly. So is that, isn't that the irony? So, yes. Well, yeah. We, we, yeah, we, we, we always I, I always refer to this, um, you know, the, the big buzzword now is conscious uncoupling. And I always say, well, we need to really look back at unconscious coupling first. <laughs> Because, I mean, it really is, you know, where are your motivations? I mean, um, lots of people marry for money, right? And um, that's that's just a fact. But, you know, there's also really a price to pay for needing to be right and and a price for revenge. And unfortunately, you know, people that are going to, you know, grasp onto that are just going to be, you know, stuck in a spin cycle. And they're going to come out pretty beaten up and nobody wins in that. And particularly the children, the children will really suffer witnessing that. Right. Yeah. Poor kids, you know, <laughs> but the, I, was, I had an epiphany now. I was thinking about this is that uh, I was thinking like marriage relationships, you can almost compare them to careers and jobs. Like some people marry said for money. You, even though it may be a really horrible relationship, but you stick with somebody because they make X amount of dollars and whatever, and then mm-hmm. but they may be abuser and horrible. You could have a job where you make good money, but your boss is a jerk. You make you do horrible things. And you, you can't sure. stand it. It could be the same thing. And people stay in careers for 20, 30 years, just like they stay in marriages for that long too, just to ride it out until until they. I don't know what they're waiting for the you know <laughs> sunshine at the end of the, end of the rainbow, I guess, but. It's a really good point, Chris. I never thought of that parallel like that. And, you know, some people just fear change or they fear, again, like, what am I going to do after this? If you think of that career parallel is, well, this is all I've ever done. It's all I know. Right, yeah. I have, I've only worked for this one employer. I don't want to start again from the ground mm-hmm. up. I mean, it really comes down to our ability to understand that we can create the lives that we desire and only we say <laughs> – when it's right. done, like right. if we're saying, oh, I'm too old for love, then we're sending that out into the universe. And that's what's going to come back to us mm-hmm. is, you know, this mm-hmm. negativity. And what's interesting is in just reflecting on this past weekend. So Chris and I, um, over Easter, we actually, because we share our kiddos with the other spouses, we've really been working hard on the po- the co-parenting dynamic and we actually just went to a baseball game on Sunday for Easter Sunday with our two littles and their mom and her fiance and us. And we just sat in a row and we had fun and it was all six of us. And I was just looking around thinking like, <laughs> um, I never thought like I get along decently well with my uh, former spouse, my son's father. But, you know, sitting with Chris thinking, hey, did you ever think when you were going through your divorce that you'd be sitting in the row at a pro baseball game celebrating (laughs) Easter together with your ex-wife and her boyfriend? Maybe. I don't know. I think, I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty it friendly. It is remarkable. I'm pretty friendly though with my exes, even though we Exes, could, plural. <laughs> exes, yes. well, I've been like ex-girlfriends and things of that sort. Yeah. I'm pretty friendly for the most part, you know, even though some horrible things have probably been said and have done, been done. Uh, I try to be very friendly. Like I'm always a pretty forgiving, kind person. That's who I am, you know, naturally. So I always kind of like forgive and forget. It's, it's the way I kind of roll with stuff, but that's just me. Um, it doesn't always work for everybody, I would say. It's a gift for your children, though, if you think about it. It really is 
a gift. And I mean, it's actually a gift for all of you. It doesn't mean, you know, there's a, there was a great line someone once said to me, forgiveness doesn't mean we have to do lunch. Oh, yeah, you know, that's a good one. We can really, we can, we can just sort of like, you know, pull the energetic charge, right, out of the wall and just, you know, kind of move on with your life. You do you, I do me, and we're going to, you know, work together, communicate in the best way possible for the benefit of our kids, right? And I just, Christine, I want to go back to what you had said to me about how do we work with parents. We, we don't work, you know, we, we don't work, we usually just work with one mm-hmm. person, one, one parent in the divorce, but I'll tell you a beautiful thing that happens. Um, and I know it's hard to believe when you think back to the contentious nature of, you know, the triggers and, and the initial stages of the divorce, but it really is possible that when one person becomes infuriatingly grounded <laughs> and calm and does not take the bait it has a trickle-down effect. It has a trickle-down effect on the other parent. It has a trickle-down effect on the children. You know, even if the other, you know, you've got one parent that's constantly baiting and baiting and baiting, when one parent can learn to just stay grounded, and again, I'm not, this is not like airy-fairy, like I don't think they ha- they're not going through deep emotions, right. but they're just learning, what is this going to cost me? What is this costing me like to get hysterical, to to, you know, be running around, to be, to be up at night, to be tormenting myself. You know, there really is a price to pay for that. Um, so it does. When we, when we get one person on board and they are conducting themselves in a way that feels really resonant with them and their house and their children, it has trickle-down effect. And that's the beautiful part. You know, I mean, we, in, in, in you know, my, in an ideal world, in a utopia, you know, that second parent would get on board. Um, And we do have a couple of things in our program that we actually try to encourage some of that extension of the olive olive branch on behalf of children. And you know what? We don't control everything. Miracles can happen, even in the worst situation. If you can be sitting at a baseball game with, with, with people years down the road, that you were, you know, in a highly contentious divorce with, you never know what's possible. Exactly. Yeah. And thinking through what you've just been mentioning, you talked a little bit about the program that you both offer, but let's dig dig a little bit deeper into that. So I was reading that you call it something about intuitive divorce processes. So can you tell us what the name of your program is and how our guests would engage with you if they were to come to you for your services? Sure. I'll I'll dive in on that. So it's called Best Self, like Be Your Best Self, Intuitive Divorce. Um, and it's under the umbrella of our Best Self magazine, Best Self Media. And the intuitive part is because we really anchor our teaching method, our coaching method in empowering our clients to, you know, to strengthen and listen to that inner voice, to really develop their own agency, their intuitive um, power to control the outcome. And it's within all of us. Most people are, for many, they've never tapped into it. For many going through divorce, it seems way too woo-woo, but it's actually very strategic and there is a method to get there. Anyway, uh, to how to engage with us. Well, the, the best first step is we have um, a free masterclass. 
Uh, it's about a 45-minute webinar uh, that really outlines um, a strategy to start that any parent in going through divorce, especially in their early stages, can use to take control of their divorce that will help them save time in the divorce, money, and a lot of heartache. Um, so we have a website for that, and it's called bestselfintuitivedivorce.com. And if you go to that page, you will see a, you know, a link to, to go to that masterclass. Um, there's also an option to book a free call, which we will do happily um, to talk parents through the issues that are confronting them, the stakes that are confronting them, and you know a path forward. No, it's just like a sample so, call, but you guys, you said earlier, are not legal experts. You're not lawyers. You're not doctors or therapists. Correct. correct? Okay. That is correct. Just so that they know no. when they do make that call, mm-hmm. say, well, you guys said this and the, you know, you guys are lawyers, but you're not. No, no. no we, are, we are life coaches. Okay. We are the Sherpas to hold your hand and guide you um, up the mountain. Okay. And as okay. I said, you may well need legal advice and therapy and child psychologists. They all play a role. This is a different role. Gotcha. Got it. And so, like, how long is a typical engagement with the two of you? Is this something where it's, you know, indefinitely we're working together for a year, or is it kind uh, of a rapid program? It's a it's a twelve week program, and that's what we have kind of figured uh, is a kind of the sweet spot for people to wrap their head around this concept and really make valuable internalized changes in their life that will set them up. Now, your divorce may take far longer than that. I mean, the right, average yeah. divorce takes 11 months. If it goes to trial, it's 18 months, and in many cases, longer. But it sets you up to make grounded decisions, to handle your children and nurture them in the best possible way, to take care of yourself in the process so you can actually thrive during divorce and certainly set yourself up for a beautiful life beyond. That's what it's all about. So, right, yeah. It's a it's a twelve week uh, coaching program, and it's a group program. Um, we found that working with um, a small group is far more beneficial for clients than one on one because they yeah. they get to learn from other people's experiences, like um, uh, kind of like AA does. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. You know, no, another thing is, you know, we've actually, you know, but the bottom, the basis of coaching really is. Having someone hold your hand and guide you to solve your own problems. This is really about creating some, you know, sustainable tools so that, you know, you, you could actually even say, these are tools for any life adversity, for dealing with, you know, no, none of us go through life unscathed. We never know what's going to happen, whether it's, you know, an illness, it's a divorce or whatever. Um, but we need to, acquire life tools and skills so that we can navigate that and get to the other side of whatever it is without being a frazzled, rundown mess, right? And so we, as we were creating this, we realized, wow, these tools actually are, are life navigational tools. Mm-hmm. You know, you could apply them in many, many ways. Absolutely. Now, and, I, will, and you, yeah. I will say that when I was navigating my divorce, because I like I did, I said I was like the first that I felt had gone through it in my family other than one aunt that I had. I was really at a loss of how to navigate it. And then my therapist had found this, it was a yoga retreat, which I 
I'd never done yoga and I felt mm-hmm. like that sounded like Fruit Loopy and like loopy. new agey. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about that. But I was at the point where I said, why not? Like, I have <laughs> nothing to lose except for whatever money I invest in it. Worst case scenario, I'm getting this time away to recharge and kind of reframe my thinking. But they ended up having, um, it was a life coach that was there and it was an intensive. So it was three days we did. It was all women that had gone through betrayal trauma with their spouses. So whether they were uh, porn addicted, sex addicted, whatever it was, and it was all designed for us. And I spent four days there. And I will tell you that was the smartest decision that I ever made during my divorce was to go to that process, to connect with myself, to kind of work through some of the challenges that I was facing, to ground myself and set some boundaries for how I wanted to navigate my divorce in the future, and then get really clear on what that future was going to be. When I came back, I felt confident in my decision to make a professional change in my career Um, And then things started to click together after that. Mm -hmm. And that was a real turning point. And so while I I was at the beginning being a little bit cynical, you know, I did find something like this. And I will say that it really transformed the divorce proceedings after Mm -hmm. that because I didn't engage in the the negativity. I was really Mm -hmm. clear on, you know, my son being the focus and doing what was best for him. And at that time, it meant... You know, my ex wanted to fight me for whether or not my son could move with me to this new town for my new job. And it was asking my son, what did he need in that process? Mm-hmm. And what he needed for you. was to stay present where he was. And while, you know, if it was all about me, it would have been uproot him and take it with me because mm-hmm. I wanted him with me. But then focusing on, you know, what his needs were and it just changed the tenor of the whole negotiation and things went pretty quickly after that in terms of the divorce. But I hear what you're saying and I see that there's a really big need for it. I almost wish Mm -hmm. like attorneys would wrap this into their retainer like, okay, here, I'm going to help you through this process. But my job isn't just to get you divorced. My job is to help you stand up on your feet stronger on the other side. And it's almost like That's not their job. Right. I know it's not, but it's like, okay, I think about I'm a wedding planner (laughs) now. So I think of like, I provide certain types of services. Some of it is like sending my, setting my clients up with their vendors. But then I do have conversations with them about like, are you going to go to premarital counseling and things like that? I'm full service. I think that we should have like a full service divorce service where it's like, we're going to get you. We shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations, right? I love that you bring that up because you know what? First of all, we're not working against attorneys. Right. And actually, smart attorneys know that if they can keep, if they can work with their clients and keep them grounded and keep, because you know, I mean, poor divorce attorneys, they listen to hysteria beyond hysteria. <laughs> I, I mean, oh my God. Oh, and, and it's, emails it's that ugly. they get like so-and-so is out on the date already. You know what? That, I, think I know. That's like, can you believe that? That's a podcast idea. I'm just thinking of it right now. They call the divorce calls. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's really true. And I think that actually when we can eliminate this notion that, that, that that's a, a competition. There's no competition between right. a life coach and a divorce and and attorneys. It's actually really creating connection and community that's going to support the divorcee through this process. It's um, synergy. It, yeah, it really is. There, it's so. I love that you brought that up, and I think it's a really, really important point. 
the problem is that, uh, and, and life coaching in this capacity is a fairly new concept, but these other professionals live in their silos, the accountants, the attorneys, the therapists, and so forth. And a coach can help bring it all together, you know, uh, can guide you through the team and, and get the most out. One thing that you said that I love, Christine, is that you were on the fence when this idea, you had no idea what to do. And then this yoga retreat idea was presented to you. But there was a voice inside you, like we started this conversation a while ago, where you said, this is not working for me. I don't know what the solution is, but I'm open to try something. Right. I'm open to seeing things differently. I'm going to sign up for this and see what happens. And you followed right? it. Yeah, And you absolutely. followed it. I, I went out on a limb and I took a risk. And so speaking of that, we may have listeners right now that are kind of in that in-between point where either they're just starting a divorce, they're spinning their wheels, maybe they just don't want to feel yucky anymore and they want some help. Where can they find out more about you and the services that you offer? Well, I just kind of gave that and I'll just give it again. Uh, specifically, bestselfintuitivedivorce.com. That will explain our program and give you an opportunity to uh, watch the free webinar, which will take you on a much deeper path. Um, you know, and if that resonates, uh, then there's an opportunity to book a call with us Fantastic. and see if it's a fit. I will drop That's that as simple in, as that. I'll drop that into the show notes of this episode. Yeah, perfect. And what would your words of wisdom wisdom be for any of our listeners that are finding themselves on the brink of divorce or at the first steps of divorce mm. um, when they really are at that point that we talked about, Kristen, where it's like, I feel like my life is completely over. Mm -hmm. What would be your words for them? I would just honestly ask them not to future trip, not to try to solve all the problems mm. of the world right now, not not to force themselves to think um, that they have to have the answers and that life is over. I think they should just focus on, does this feel good to me right now? Is this where I want my life to be? Is this how I want to feel? And if the answer is no, and you want more and you want, and you don't know how to do it, like we all, we don't know what we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Just reach out. It doesn't have to be to us, but reach out, reach out to someone not someone that's going to shame you, not someone, you know, not, not someone that's going to make you feel like, well, you're the only person in our family and that's going to be, you know, a scandal. Um, you know, reach out to someone that's going to uh, just sit down next to you and hold your hand and let you know that there's something more and that, that happiness is possible. And I, I also really want people to know that we can use the things that happen to us. We don't have to be used by them. And if you can just hold the faith that even when things fall apart, endings are beginnings. And we get to decide, like, what do we want that to be? And what am I going to do with it? And it's not about erasing the past. It's not revisionist history. It's just, what more do I want with my life? And, exactly. you know, and, 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 it, and really it's, you know, we've used this word a lot today. I don't, I don't think I've said this word so many times, but like self-agency, like just knowing that you can write another chapter, you can rescript the future. You can decide where your life goes, no matter how bad it feels. Trust me, I have been low. I have lost everything. I have been bleak and I, like really been, you know, down in the dumps, but 
if you could just like, I don't know, just grasp onto a little morsel of faith, wherever you derive that faith from, um, hold on to that and let it grow. That is such sage advice. We want to thank you so much, Kristen and Bill, for being on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And to all of our guests that are listening, whether or not you're navigating divorce or you have a family member or a friend that is navigating it, check out our show notes from today. Find out how to get connected with Bill and Kristen and get yourself on your way to having a more positive approach to your divorce. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. You know, that was so fantastic having Bill and Kristen on the show talking about divorce and helping strategies to help you navigate and figure out that process. Absolutely. I felt like I learned a lot from them about relationships and that what they offer could be of great benefit to a lot of our listeners, don't you? Right. And, and sad as it may be, divorce is a real thing that people really have to be aware of. And I mean, we all went through divorce. I went through divorce. You went through divorce. Everybody went through divorce mm-hmm. here. So it's something that is on your radar, you know, you would think about and uh, having to deal with it and the emotions that really go with it and, and that you really need someone there helping you out and not to just be like, you know, flying off the cuff with whatever emotions letting you be your guide. Right. Now, I was reflecting as they were talking through, like, what are the steps that you take to help keep our relationship healthy so we don't get to that point of, you know, going through another breakup of a relationship? First off, for number one, numero uno is that I love you so much. Oh, thank you. And you're my angel. Thank you. And I feel like uh, you love me so much. And I'm, I your, do. I'm your angel. <laughs> so well, you're a character in my life. I don't know if you're an angel all the time, but yeah. we'll say you're my mischievous like Dennis the Menace, but you're still sure, so cute. <laughs> sure. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. You know, and I just have fun with you, babe. I oh, really do. Thank you. We, we're like my best friend, you know. And I'm I, like your best friend? You are like my best friend. So Am I not your best friend? You're my best friend. I guess you are my best friend. <laughs> you're like my best friend. That was so California. It was. Like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but what does that mean? Because, you know, it takes so much to make a marriage work. And I think about that. Like, what are the steps that we take to almost insulate our marriage from the potential of fracturing? Because it's like, I feel like when people get divorces, it's like there's all of these little, unless it was like some major catastrophic event, there's these little tiny fractures. Or even like if you think of them like splinters that kind of get in the way along the road. And I think it's helpful while we were talking about navigating divorce to also talk about what we do to keep our relationship healthy. Well, one thing for sure I would say is is to be open and honest about pretty much everything that you can and have a clear communication with your spouse because right. that is one key element that most marriages the communication seems to fall through or one thought of one thing, we're doing this this weekend, no, we're doing that. No, you're not. You're doing this. Or I have to do this instead. But you, how can you even tell me you're doing this? Uh, you know, it can trickle into a lot of things and it can and it can really kind of go into other facets like, um, like who's going to clean the kitchen? Like the dishes. They're your dishes, not my dishes. Why do you do the dishes? And then it's, you know, I thought you said you're going to do the dishes. No, you're going to do the dishes. 
Yeah. So I think setting clear expectations and talking through routines. I think that the other thing is really trying to not take things as personally, which is something that I'm continuing to work on because you are a very blunt individual. What? And you have very little filter when you communicate with me. And so for me, it's like stopping and asking myself, how did he mean to say that? Did he really mean to be that mean right in this exact oh, moment? What are you, are you talking about? <laughs> me being mean? Yeah. Never. Yes, but you know, it's it's just interesting about like how we communicate with each other. And there's so many times where I'm like, yeah, whatever, Chris. And I don't mean it in a negative way, but you'll get so amped up over something. And then on the flip side, I get very emotional like this morning. I was very overwhelmed with work stuff and I was like, don't bother me. And you were like, oh, well, okay, screw you. <laughs> it was like, we didn't mean it in that way, but it was the message that- Oh, you that took it, it that way though, by Well, the way. you did say it that way, but it was just like, okay, just give each other space for a few minutes. I'm super stressed out and I don't always have the words for it. But then again, it's like at the end of the day, not taking it personally where it's like, you said this to me and making it into a huge fight. Uh, but I think that the talking through everything is definitely a big component of it and taking an interest in the things that are important to one another. That's right. You know, because to you, it may not seem that your stuff or to me it might sound your stuff is important or you might think that my stuff is important, but it really is to the, each, each person. It is important in, for that person. So you have to really respect that. Absolutely, which is why I do this podcast with you because I know how important it is and it's our podcast and it's one of our babies with Clover who's sitting next to me right now being the other one. That's right. Hey, Clover, you want to get on the microphone? Say something. Say hi. <laughs> no, she's doing so good right now. I right know. Here. Look at that. She, yeah. she was whining earlier. You know, it's because I, she could hear my voice and she wasn't near me. She's a very needy little baby right now. Oh, and she looks like such like a little little rat. Don't right call her that. She's going to hear that. It's going to mess with her self-conscious. <laughs> because we, got, we had Clover get a haircut recently and now she looks like like everything has been cut down really tiny you really get to see how small she really is yeah she's teeny tiny but you know i think that encouragement to our listeners who are going through relationship transitions or navigating challenging situations in their marriage is you know to really try and focus on communication and I think that one of the things when you and i had gone to a couple of counseling sessions when we were newlyweds to try and help us navigate was Focus on cleaning up your own side of the street where it's like if you try and fixate on what the other person is or isn't doing, it's going to get you angry and bitter. That's so much easier said than done. You it know? is. You know, because you always want to point outward towards everything else. Like it's your fault. It's their problems. They're the ones screwing this up. It's them, them, them. And you realize, well, what about you? Like, what are you doing? You know, you're not right. Mr. Perfect, Mr. P even though even though I am Mr. Perfect. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. I just think that we've got to continue to focus on putting in the work every day and um, whether you're going through, like I said, a divorce or whether you're sticking it out that just put in the work on yourself. And I think that that's going to go a long way in being the best version of yourself, whether you have a partner or you have lost a partner. It's just, you know, 
taking care of you is the number one thing, right, Chris? Absolutely. That is fantastic. That's well said, baby. You, did you write that down? I did. That was, you know, words of wisdom from Christine and Clover today. Right. Well, Clover, <laughs> how you doing, baby doll? Huh? What you up to? <laughs> she just is looking here. She's just like sitting right next to me, but wish you all could see her right now. So to follow along with more of our adventures and more of the fantastic guests that we have, where can they find us, Chris? You can go on the old interweb at chrisandchristineshow.com. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find out more information about Kristen and Bill in today's show notes. Definitely give them a follow, check them out, reach out for a consultation and um, just get on your way to your best divorced self, right? Absolutely. And we'll see you all here next next week. week.